five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello everyone, and welcome to Holy Half Hour. Welcome back, or welcome for the first time, if it's your first time with us. I am your host, Kieran. Hi. And he's your other host, Michael. Hey, Michael. Hi. Hi. I'm just going to say hi, nothing else. All right, fine. (laughs) Fine. Be like that. Well, back to me. We've got a great show for you, folks. No, uh, how how are you, Michael? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much. I'm still like last week. N- I've not succumbed to a new cold, which is like the mm. running conversation at this point. Uh, if you're new here, then I have a baby, and that baby gives me a cold every so often, or, or every. That's it. Just there's no so often. It's just always. Mm. But in the last two weeks, feeling good. So yeah, I can't complain. How about you, Kieran? Yeah, I'm doing all right, thanks. I, I find, Michael, that I uh, it's rare that I get properly, properly ill. Mm. I tend to just get vaguely unwell when I'm not well, which in the age of COVID is a little bit of a pain because mm. I feel quite rough today, but I'm also, mm. like, passing all of the tests, which is good, you That's know. That's good. Uh, so I, I'm not complaining that I'm generally in good health. That's a good thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was sort of on the edge today, feeling like, hmm. Mm, Maybe I'm sick, but we'll see. Hopefully not. Well, hopefully this show is going to be so much fun, Kieran, that it's going to lift your spirit and it's going to enhance your immune system and you're just going to feel fantastic. Absolutely. Well, it's working already, I can tell you. <laughs> um, but here's a, here's a question for you, Michael, at the top of the show. Hmm. What's, what's your earliest memory? Ooh, good question. I, I have a quick answer for this one because I know oh. it, because it's surprisingly early a memory. Um, I remember walking around my grandfather's garden, my mum's dad, mm. and being given a banana by him and walking around on grass and then noticing that there were windows in the ground and being confused by the windows in the ground. And uh-huh. that's that's my earliest memory. And I spoke to my parents and said, hey, I have this memory. It's the earliest one I can remember. Yeah. And they said that I only met my grandfather once. It was on the way to a holiday we were going to. We drove past where he lived. And uh, I was probably around um, 17 months old. Oh, wow. Um. So I was toddling around and what they were is what the windows were in the ground were, you know, when people are keen gardeners and they grow fruit and veg and they do a Mm. little box and then they put a pane of glass over it so that it's like a mini greenhouse. Um, But at the time I was just like, what is that? Why is there a window in the ground? I said, (laughs) I said it just like that. (laughs) So yeah, that's my earliest memory, Kieran. And still quite vivid today. Like I can close my eyes and, and see those yeah. things, like the green of the grass and the layer of the garden. And yeah, yeah. it's quite cool. And also my granddad. Mm. Mm, absolutely. I was hoping that the re- the reveal was going to be, with the windows in the ground, was going to be that you are actually from descended from hobbits and this was a little <laughs> hobbit house built into the side of the hill. But still an awesome story. But that's, I mean, 17 months, that's very early, I would say, to remember things. I mean, not that I'm an expert on 
child development. But is that that must be a bit unusual. I mean, you're yeah, a smart guy. You're very advanced. You know, you've always been <laughs> ahead of. Uh, you've always been ahead of the curve. Uh, clever man, but but true. that seems early to me. Uh, to I have... think it's quite early. I don't know if it's completely out of the ordinary, but it's not mm. like I have hundreds of memories from that time. No, sure. So, like, if I if I could remember every day from that time, then that might be kind yeah. of unusual. But I think one or two early memories is is not right. so unusual. But yeah, okay. it does. It, I, it does. I was. It surprised me when my parents were like, "Oh, you were young when that happened." Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard but, that. Um, I'm sure I read somewhere that most people, their earliest memories are from around the time where they begin to speak. Mm. That it's less common to have like pre-verbal memories. I may yeah. have just made that up, but I have a feeling I heard that from someone authoritative. Um, <laughs> so we can all we can all go and research that and find out whether that's true. Mm. That'll be fun, listeners. Um, well, Kieran, is your earliest memory from the time that you learned to speak? Uh well, I actually, yeah, I, I think my my memories are probably later later than that. My earliest mm. memory, I think, it's hard. To, it's hard to say what my earliest memory is. I'm not certain about that. But one mm. of the earliest that I remember is chasing our Labrador around the dining room, li- the living room table. <laughs> nice. I remember that very clearly. That we used to put on the Flash Gordon soundtrack. And like run around the room because for some reason I think my brother and I thought that the Flash Gordon soundtrack was hilarious, which it is in a way. <laughs> uh, it's just a fun thing to listen to when you're a child. I mean, it's a good song, Queen doing that. Mm. I mean, oh yeah, that's a bit of a coup because that film's a wee bit not the best film in the world, and the fact that Queen did the whole uh, yeah, you know, yeah. soundtrack's pretty crazy, really. Yeah, totally. So I remember chasing Rosie the dog around the living room table. Not sure if that's the, my earliest oh. memory, but it's one of the earliest. That's a nice memory. That sounds yeah. like a sweet... Uh, that, that's nice, actually, because often early memories are, are of the bad things that happen, like a bad injury or a bad fall. So mm. it's, it's nice that we both have an early, not-so-bad memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. In the bonus show, we'll talk about all the horrible stuff that happened. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that, folks. But... Um, Speaking of shows that we do, we do this show. So mm-hmm. how about we continue to do this show, Michael, and <laughs> move on to our next segment. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Great. Seamless. And M- Michael, too. Well, Michael, do you have a quiz for me this week? I'm very excited about the quiz action. Yes, I do, Kieran. This week, um, the Bible fact is going to be on the book of Galatians. So I have a sort of Galatians-related quiz for you, but I've got a few pre-quiz questions, mm-hmm. which, uh, which because I, so I don't want to reveal the theme of the quiz yet, because my first pre-quiz question is, hey, Kieran, if I said Galatians to you, and this is something we've talked about in previous episodes of the show, what's a famous bit of Galatians you would think of? Well, I feel I may have tripped over this hurdle in previous episodes of the show, but I, I want to say the armor of God, but then I sometimes I, I'm like, is that Ephesians, though? I get nervous that it's in Ephesians. Um, if if the armor of God was in Ephesians chapter 6, then uh-huh. what would be the other thing that was in Galatians 5 that you'd be thinking of and that wasn't the armor of God, but was similar? And it kind of, you know, it's the same kind of Sunday school thing that that you kind of hear about a lot. Galatians 5 would be... Uh, the fruit of the spirit. 
Yeah. Oh, fruit of the what spirit. a relief. Well done. What a relief. Whew. I could see yeah. you sweating there. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to do a quiz about fruit, Kieran. Awesome. Um, because of the fruit of the spirit. But I thought just before I do that, I would, should probably just say for anyone who's listening who's not familiar with fruit of the spirit, um, basically it's a section in Galatians 5 where Paul, who wrote the letter to Galatian churches, uh, says that basically if you're free because of what Jesus has done for you, then you should use that freedom not to indulge the base desires of your heart, the things that you want to do that you know are wrong, but instead you should use that freedom to live a, a life which is pleasing to God, a life that is lived by the Holy Spirit, mm. and that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. And that fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit expresses itself in a few ways. And uh, Kieran, do you know the fruit of the Spirit off by heart? I do, but only because of a children's song that goes, The fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. The fruit <laughs> of the Spirit is not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you can't. You might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruit is. And then it lists the fruit okay. of the Spirit, which is why I know it. But I don't know if you don't really listen to quite as many children's songs as I do. Kieran, no, that's, so. that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I believe that they are. Love joy peace patience kindness gentleness faithfulness self-control yeah that's right not quite the exact order right. that they are in scripture you got faithfulness and gentleness mixed mm. up but those are the right those are exactly correct for the fruit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control nice. yeah absolutely nicely done so god changes our lives he lives in us by his spirit, and he produces in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's awesome. And that's a lot of what being a Christian's about. However, we're not talking about the fruit of the spirit, we're talking about just normal fruit, after all that. So, Kieran, a fruit is a mature, ripened ovary, along with the contents of the ovary. The ovary is the ovule-bearing reproductive structure in the plant flower. So, is this food a fruit okay. or not? Okay. That's, that's the question. Okay. That's all it is. And I've got seven for you, Kieran. It's a long quiz this week. Mm. So, uh, butternut squash, or for our non-UK listeners, squash. <laughs> is it a fruit or is it not a fruit? Oh, man. I'm pretty sure that it has seeds in it. Mm -hmm. And is that, I think part of the criteria that you just read for being a fruit. So mm. I think that it's a fruit. All right. Let's see. Hey. hey. Yes, spinach squash is a fruit. Kieran, is rhubarb a fruit? <laughs> wow. What a question. Is rhubarb a fruit? What the what on earth is rhubarb even? That's a real what indeed? existential question. Uh, blow, blowing my mind here, Michael. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say no, based on okay. nothing. <laughs> based on your gut yeah. instinct. Well, let's see if you're right. Mm. Yes. Rhubarb is a stem of a leaf, just like celery. Celery is also a stem of a leaf. Right. Um, Kieran, are chickpeas a fruit? <laughs> 
are chickpeas a fruit? Um, I think chickpeas are a legume like uh, like other like, legumes. Like, like other peas. <laughs> like peas, right? Mm-hmm. Like garden peas. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. peanuts, right? Because peanuts aren't nuts, they're peas, mm-hmm. aren't they? I'm just They're definitely legumes. I'm just yeah. I'm just sidestepping mm. into other things to avoid answering your question. Uh, I think. So, are you saying that legumes are fruits or not fruits? I think they're not fruits. I don't know if that's okay. right or not, but that's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to say that mm. chickpeas are not a fruit. All right, let's find out. Mm. Hey, you're right that chickpeas are not a fruit. They're actually a seed. Uh-huh. Although legumes like snow peas, string beans, or sugar snap peas. And other legumes are actually They are fruits. fruit. So legumes are fruits, but chickpeas Incredible. are Incredible. Mind blown. That so is act- actually mm-hmm. amazing, Michael. All this time I've been eating peas and thought that I was eating... Oh, peas yeah. are not legumes. Oh, okay. So what are legumes? Normal garden peas. So I don't want to get into the botany of yeah, it all because yeah. it's complicated okay. and I'd have to re... I've not written down all the wording, although I did a lot of research. But things that are legumes... So some snow peas uh, are legumes, mm-hmm. sugar snap peas uh-huh. are legumes, and things like, so some things that we call peas are legumes, yeah, yeah. but the garden peas that you have on your plate when you have your chips on the side, yeah. those are seeds like chickpeas or seeds. Right, right. So, so some peas are legumes, some peas are not legumes, but all legumes are fruits. Fascinating. So there you go. Whew. So... Is a green pepper, or any pepper really, a fruit, Kieran? Yeah, I'm pretty sure pep- that peppers are, are fruit. All right. Let's take a look. Yeah. Oh, Kieran knows his fruit so far. <laughs> well, you've already won, Kieran. you got four out of seven, mm. but uh, let's keep on going. Is an avocado a fruit? <laughs> Is an avocado a fruit? Is that a waxy, minging green fruit that no one should eat because they're so gross? Mm divisive i know that a lot of people like avocados <laughs> uh my fiance makes great guacamole mm. or guacamole as it's also known and uh <laughs> and, and that is a good avocado based and thing. does she make it with a fruit or uh, well good question you see <laughs> i still don't know you, you may have answered the question earlier michael so i'm sorry if i wasn't really paying attention but i still am not sure whether uh <laughs> part you know whether a, a fruit always has seeds in it because I don't know that an avocado does. It's got a stone in it. But I don't mm. think if you put an avocado stone in the ground, it will grow into an avocado bush, which I imagine is what avocados grow on. <laughs> uh, so I don't know, man. Uh, no, I'm going to say I'm going to be like rogue. It feels like a it feels like a dicey dicey move. We're on a knife edge here. This is a tough I'm one. going to say avocado is mm. not a fruit. All right, let's see if you're right. <laughs> oh. oh, avocado is a fruit, and that stone is a seed. And if you plant it, it will ah, is a seed. Oh. Yes, indeed. Um, well, lovely. I don't. I'm not saying if you just planted your garden, it will grow. It might need specific uh, conditions, but okay. Um, wow. So there you go. Um, and also, by the way, avocado lovers out there, I don't like avocado because once I ate one, it was just, just off. 
and it uh, put me off for life. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? Oh, man. Um, so nothing yeah. against avocados. They, they, you have to get them in the sweet spot. You have to get them when they're very yeah. ripe, but not off. Mm. You know, that's the, the I never learned. I never learned how to tell. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. Like, I can never tell. Um, broccoli. <laughs> Is broccoli a fruit? Is broccoli a fruit? Michael. Mm. You can't... Um, you can't shake the foundations of, of my world like this. <laughs> of course, broccoli is not a fruit, but now it might be. So or I'm going to have to throw out all the things I know if this yeah, is, forget if all this the is true. You had. <laughs> <laughs> of course, so broccoli is not a fruit, not, but not. maybe it is now. So I have, to, mm. I have to come to terms with this mind-blowing potential new thing. <laughs> um all right, let's have a look and see if you're right that broccoli is not. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on. Oh, I don't whoa, know whoa. if that's my answer. Oh, yet. You're not sorry, looking. sorry. Okay. I'm just I'm thinking out loud here. All right, come on, Kieran. We've got a schedule to keep. Broccoli. Make a decision. Is broccoli a fruit? <laughs> everyone, everyone treats broccoli like a vegetable, I would mm. say. So if it's a fruit, mm -hmm. then that's totally mad. And I am beside myself, Michael. I am absolutely <laughs> stunned. So I'm going to say that broccoli is not a fruit because, of course, it's not. All right. But you're about to say that it is, and that is just incredible <laughs> to me. So continue. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if only you could see the the breakdown that Kieran's having right now, uh, like I can. Uh, it's a we love an audio medium, but you're really missing something. Let's take a look. Is broccoli a fruit or not? Kieran says no. Oh, what a relief. He's right. What a relief. <laughs> the world remains livable. We were, we were hanging over the abyss there, Michael, but now everything's okay again. Interestingly, though, Kieran, mm -hmm. this brings something up, which is botanically speaking, there's no such thing as a vegetable. Ah. So these fruits are the mature, ripened ovaries of a plant, and all the other things are just different parts of plants. Yep. So the broccoli is the flower. Um, and there's no, like, botanical definition of vegetable. So... Last one. Is rice a fruit? <laughs> is rice a fruit? Well, if rice is a fruit, then surely, like, cereals generally and grains are fruit. Hmm. But they are not. Are cereals and well, grains generally are, a fruit? Well, are, are in our society, I feel that they're not treated mm. as such. Uh, so, yeah, but now you're getting into, like, post-structuralism uh, yeah. and semiotics. Like, I'm talking... Botanic. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, tomatoes aren't treated as a fruit, but they're a fruit. So. That's true, although... Bonus one there for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Not that I'm trying to sway you either way. I'm just saying in this in this quiz, we're talking botanically rather than, uh, you know, common usage. Although some people do drink tomato juice, which is a bit out there, I think. But uh, but hey, mm. maybe it tastes good. I don't know. I mean, obviously, obviously, I've eaten tomatoes, <laughs> listeners, but I've never just drunk some tomato juice. Kieran's never seen a tomato. I've never seen a tomato. Um, <laughs> I only eat turkey Twizzlers and drink fruit shoots. <laughs> and baked beans. Baked <laughs> beans, those are the only, the only things I eat. All right, Kieran, I've got, I've got a long relations uh, fact, so you better get on and tell me if rice is I'm a I'm just having not. such a great time, Michael. <laughs> All right, no, of course it's not. A, of course rice is not a fruit. Don't be ridiculous. Now ring. Now get the kazoo. <laughs> All right, let's find out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 
Uh, yeah, rice is a fruit. Now your mind is blown. <laughs> oh, I'm so done. cereal grain like rice, corn, wheat are all fruit. Uh, they're termed what? caryopsis. The fruit wall, though, is so thin and it's fused to the seed coat that it's uh, so almost all of the edible grain fruit is actually a seed. But technically speaking, botanically speaking, they are fruits. Okay, I wasn't sure if I was ill before we started. Now I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've just uh, aged 10 years. With this. I've, we've looked into the book of forbidden knowledge and it's uh, cost me, cost me well. dearly. I can't believe that is incredible. You signed up to do a podcast with me. <laughs> Grains are fruit. Why didn't they are technically? Why didn't no one speaking, tell me, yes. Michael? This feels like you know. Why has this been kept from the public until now? Well, because it, you know, some knowledge is 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 you know, with great knowledge comes great responsibility, and some some knowledge is too much to bear for the general public. <laughs> well, I can hardly bear it. <laughs> Unlikely worship songs. Unlikely. Well, Michael, from mind-blowing facts to potentially underwhelming songs. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I'm sure we'll have fun with this. So it's time for our unlikely worship song. Folks, Ooh. unlikely worship songs is the segment where it began as a sort of way to um, explore perhaps uh, Bible stories or passages in the Bible that are less commonly uh, brought up in worship songs. Uh, but we've also sort of touched on funny things about church culture um, and all sorts of crazy things. Mm -hmm. And uh, this this week, Michael, you inspired me with oh, your segment yes. last week on Bible location, location, location. Ah, two weeks ago. And I thought, two weeks ago, sorry. And I thought, what if we were to like, you you know the location, location, location music and and programs like that that have a very mm. particular sort of like aggressively sunny, uh, yes. aggressively chilled out uh, type of background music that no one would choose to listen to yeah, if they so weren't watching a TV program. It's like a daytime television show where some rich, almost famous person helps other people to like find a nice home in the place they want to live. And they're exactly, super aggressively exactly. sunny songs. Yeah, I like yeah, this. I like yeah. this where this is going. Uh huh. So I thought, well, what if we could turn that segment that we did into into like one of those, like the a theme intro for for a show <laughs> like that, for you know, a Bible, for like an ancient Near Eastern location, mm. location, location. Nice. Uh, so so that's what I've attempted to do here. So have a listen and uh, and see what you think. See which of these places you feel you know tempted <laughs> to uh, to to settle down. Great! I can't wait to hear it. Here it comes. We're going to play a game I'm calling Biblical Location, Biblical Location, Biblical Location. <laughs> if you're buying a house in Bible times, those are the three most important things to think about. <laughs> exactly. Baghdad, Baghdad, Basra, Basra, or Mosul, Mosul. <laughs> Greece, Greece, Syria, Syria, or Turkey, Turkey. Larissa, Larissa, or Heraklion, Istanbul, Ankara, Ankara, or Izmir, Izmir. Biblical location, biblical location, biblical location. 
<laughs> nice. It's good. I like it. It's definitely, I definitely could hear it daytime TV, but I also feel like it could be used in a nightclub as the last song when you want everyone to leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, a, it's the floor clearer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going for this sort of like slightly cheesy Eurohouse kind of thing almost. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's good. Um, I'm here with Michael. He's got £100,000. He's looking for a place in Heraklion. <laughs> Does £100,000 get you much in Heraklion these days? Uh, good question. I'll have my producers <laughs> look into that. The top, 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 top three, three, three. Well, it's time for our top three. Three, three, three. Thank you. Right You're on welcome. cue. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the top three's uh, taken on, on a slightly different form since last week, Michael. Am I right? Mm. We've got a slightly different setup now. Why don't you uh, talk us through it? Well, we're still doing three pairs of words, and it's still how many verses do they appear in in the New International Version. But instead of doing opposite words, we're now doing kind of common word pairs, so words that you commonly find together. And yeah, Kieran, you have to just tell me which one you think appears in more verses in the Bible out of the two. Okay, I'm ready for it, man. All right, here it comes. The first one is bread and water. <laughs> bread That's all and you're water. getting. Aye. Bread and water. I think... Mm, my my hunch is bread. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, there's a lot of, as I think we've touched on in the past, there's a lot of eating in the Bible. There's a lot of meals. Yeah, bread is a, a staple uh, of of Bible times and now times. And uh, <laughs> Especially in Kieran's house. Yeah, exactly. It's all I eat. He loves his bread listeners, if you didn't know uh, that. Oh, I do. All kinds. The world is full of beautiful, beautiful breads, Michael. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's a wonderful Kieran's thing. one worry in life is that he won't be able to eat all of the breads before yeah. before it ends yeah. so many breads anyway so sorry many <laughs> so you're saying bread then uh yeah i think so i think so the heart wants what the heart wants <laughs> <laughs> i'm always That's... saying what, whatever the question is michael i'm saying bread bread is always my answer <laughs> oh let's take a look Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, spaghettios. <laughs> I'm afraid that bread is in 250 verses in the New International Version, but water is in 439. So a few wow. more for water. Because obviously water doesn't just get drank, it gets sailed in and yeah. fished in and all yeah. kinds. Yeah. Um, but how about the second one? Hammer and nail, Kieran. <laughs> Hammer and nail. Well, it, my initial reaction would be, uh, I can't imagine these two come up separate from one another that much, mm. necessarily. But I think that because because there's a lot of, like, quite intricate, like, metal work and things in... Mm-hmm. The uh, in the Old Testament with regards to the designing of the temple and that sort of thing. It's like maybe hammer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to say hammer. All right, let's take a look. Yeah, mm. you're correct. And you're correct um, that most of the instances of hammer do appear in the areas that talk about how the tabernacle should be made. Um, and yeah, hammer is in nine verses and nail only one. So, 
It's all to play for. One wrong, one right. Will you get the correct answer between Law and Order? Law and Order. Nice. <laughs> law and Order. Oh, it's got to be law. I mean, we're talking about the Bible. Mm. There are some laws in there. A lot of Old Testament laws. But then, didn't Noah have to order all of the animals? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> he sent lots of orders to Amazon for parts for building the ark. <laughs> and each one is detailed separately. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's probably law. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's take a look and see if you can steal victory from the jaws of defeat. Oh, ah, oof. I was a close-ish one, sort of, but not really, because you got two or three right. Uh, law appears in 532 verses and order just in 150. Mm. So, yeah, you're right. Law wins out there, too. Mm. Ah, yes. Here we go. Timothy, my dear boy, turn up the bass. After all... A little bass is good for your stomach. <laughs> Bible facts, blowing up your brain with these actual, factual, mildly intellectual. Bible facts, every book covered with a crazy fun fact for you. Bible facts, 66 books, we're not counting the apocrypha. Bible facts. Bible facts. Bible facts. All right, folks, it's the moment I have all been waiting for. I'm stealing that bit from Michael because that was funny the other week. Um, it's time for our Bible fact, which comes from Galatians this week. Yes, it does indeed. Oh man, this was tough, Kieran. And I'm conscious that, you know, some of these segments in this week's episode have been a little bit on the longer side, but eagle-eared listeners to this podcast will know I love me some Ephesians and I love me some Philemon because, and I'm a fan of Paul in general, but Galatians, oh man, I like this book a lot too. <laughs> so it's tough for me to just pick out a few little bits uh, of stuff. Um, so I've kind of got three, but we'll see how far we go and how long it takes. <laughs> so Galatians is obviously a letter from Paul to churches in an area called Galatia. And, um, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but primarily it's really about correcting some false teaching, which has been going on in the early churches. And that is that, uh, some Jews who have become followers of Jesus are now telling the non-Jewish followers of Jesus that they have to both get circumcised, which is a Jewish tradition, and also observe the Old Testament law in order to be seen as right in God's eyes. Whereas Paul uh, says that it's only through faith in Christ Jesus that being right in God's eyes, being righteous, that's what righteous means, can be achieved. And that's really what this letter is all about. Uh, so it's pretty simple uh, in its scope, um, but it's so good because really Paul gets super mad 
and super feisty and super passionate. And it's actually just always fun to listen or read someone who's super passionate about what they're writing about. Um, and as such, you know, Galatians goes by quite quick. So I really recommend uh, you read Galatians. It's only six chapters. It's a pretty quick reading um, if you haven't read it before. And here's some interesting bits about it. So I asked Kieran earlier in the show what famous bits of Galatians he remembers, and we got to the fruit of the Spirit, which is there. But another famous part of Galatians is uh, Galatians 5, where the fruit of the Spirit is, but verse 1. And it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And this first fact is kind of an extension of all of my Bible facts recently, which is context matters. I personally take this out of context all the time. Whenever I want to talk about freedom, uh, <laughs> I just quote this verse. But like I said, Paul's writing to the Galatian churches about this false teaching and uh, about this different gospel, which is what the whole first four chapters of Galatians are all about. It's Paul calling out this false gospel, saying that you don't need to be circumcised, you don't need to obey these laws because you're free in Christ. And this very next verse, Galatians 5, 2, goes on to say, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So the first four chapters are all about this issue. And then the very next verse in the next section is all about this issue. But I often take this one verse and be like, ooh, I've got to help someone think about freedom. I'm going to use this verse. So it's not to say that <laughs> different parts of the Bible can't also bless people in different circumstances in their lives. Of course they can. But it's just good also to remember and know the context that they appear in. So my real fact, though, is that Paul was feisty. Um, and there's three really feisty parts of Galatians, which I think are interesting. So Galatians 2, 11 to 16, um, Paul recounts one of the areas in which this kind of wrong gospel started. And it's him calling out Peter, you know, Peter the rock, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. In uh, the translation I'm going to be reading from, he refers to Peter as Cephas, which is another name that Peter goes by. But it's just really interesting. So again, this is uh, Galatians 2, 11 to 16. It says, When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? 
We who are Jews by birth are not sinful Gentiles, and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul, you know, an important key figure in the early church, calling out Peter and in his story, in front of the entire church of Antioch, in front of Jewish leaders that were sent by James, Jesus' brother, bishop, and now recounting this entire story to all of the churches in Galatia and for all of posterity's sake to everyone who's ever read the Bible, which is billions of humans on this earth. This has the markings of a Paul and Peter royal rumble. It's like a feud for the ages. <laughs> you know, if this happened in my church, not my church, but in some of the churches I have been to, these guys would never talk to each other again. <laughs> never. <laughs> churches are places where people yeah. get hurt. I've hurt people's feelings in church. People have hurt my feelings in church. And we have a habit of enjoying holding on to that hurt. But what actually happens with Peter and Paul? Well, in Galatians 2, 9, which is slightly before this, Paul says that James, Peter, and John are esteemed as pillars of the church and gave him and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. And they recognized the grace given to Paul. Paul also says that Peter was called to give the gospel to the Jews. He, you know, affirms Peter's call. And then Peter, in one of his letters, 2 Peter chapter 3, 15, I won't read it out because this is already going on long, he likens Paul's writings to scripture. He says that they're scripture. So, you know, Peter and Paul, despite this disagreement, they get on for God's kingdom. And that's ultimately because Peter knew that Paul was right and that he was in the wrong in this instance. And he was humble enough, despite the fact that he's amazing, knew Jesus personally, was the rock on which Jesus wanted to build his church, said the first ever sermon other than Jesus, like he was humble enough to be called out in person by a brother when he went astray and when he said and did the wrong thing. And he was able to say, yeah, that was wrong and move forward and not to hold that calling out against Paul for the rest of the time that they knew each other. And I think that's really powerful. Mm. Um, and we can learn a lot. I can learn a lot from that. We can learn a lot from that. Um, so another, two more quick feisty moments without turning this into a sermon. Um, Galatians five twelve. This is maybe the feistiest thing Paul says in the entire New Testament. And he says this, as for those agitators, so those preaching circumcision for the Gentiles, I wish they would go the whole way and demasculate themselves. Mm. Paul says that those people who are saying you should be circumcised, I wish they would castrate themselves, which is a pretty surprising and shocking thing for Paul to say. You know, Paul, yeah. the speak truth in love guy. Um, <laughs> but then Paul is also the you can be angry without sinning guy. Ephesians 4.26, Paul writes, in your anger, do not sin. So he recognizes that there's a, there's a a scenario in which you can be angry and not sin. Jesus was angry. We read that in John two and Mark three, but he did it in a righteous way and for righteous reasons. 
So even though it's fairly shocking language, Paul might not just be wishing people that make him angry would severely hurt themselves physically. You know, he might be saying, we are, well, we know he's saying we're only saved by faith in Jesus. So if you're going to get circumcised and you think that's going to make you right before God, then you might as well go the whole way and castrate yourself because that will be just as effective. Like there's no amount of your body you can chop off that's going to make you right before God now that Jesus has died for your sins. It's only Jesus that makes you right before God. There's a more metaphorical interpretation potentially that, you know, he wants them to be castrated and cut off and not able to produce any more converts that also falsely believe that they have to obey the law and be circumcised to be saved. But that's maybe too poetic. I don't know. But it's interesting. Paul is feisty. The last feisty moment for me that I think is really exciting is in Galatians 6, 11, when Paul says, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. I just love this. Paul is finishing his letter. Basically, he probably would have dictated most of his letters, but he is no longer dictating this. He's taken the pen or whatever he's writing with, and he's writing it with his own hand. And he probably had larger handwriting as he has like poor eyesight is believed. So he would have had to write slightly larger. And he is taking the time to finish the letter with his own hand to emphasize what he's writing. And the section that follows is that he reiterates the, the story of this letter, the theme of this letter. It says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. He's so passionate about it. He wants to spell it out clearly. He takes the pen up himself and he writes in big letters. It's kind of like those signs you see in churches, Kieran, where it's like, please don't put coffee grounds down the sink or please don't put nappies in this bin but where the please is like triple underlined and it renders it yeah. completely no longer polite at all. It's kind of like Paul triple underlining the letter of Galatians. He's like, I'm taking up with my own hand using large letters to reiterate that nothing matters except the new creation. No circumcision, no uncircumcision, but new creation through Christ Jesus and faith in him. So yeah, sorry for the length. I just got really excited that I got to do Galatians uh, because Paul is so feisty and I find it really entertaining. <laughs> That's great, man. I love it. I love it. And, and I, I love, uh, I think you've touched on a lot of the, the humanity of Paul that's expressed, mm. you know, through through the, these uh, these letters um, that we see someone who is, a, you know, a spiritual giant and, uh, and a father of the church and, uh, and rightly highly regarded. Uh, in the Christian world, um, but also a man who, uh, you know, wasn't afraid to um, get personal and express his own heart in these situations, but do it uh, in a fundamentally godly way, you know, which is a, a wonderful thing. I think the three vignettes you've given us, I think that one of the things that I was kind of stood out to me as you were sharing the first one about Peter and Paul just that um, I find it such an encouragement that uh, that Peter stumbles in this way mm. because I think it's a stumble that we see in the Gospels you know when he you know waiting by the fire as Jesus is on trial you know is kind of caves into the pressure to, to pretend he doesn't know who Jesus is you know and we almost see something of that same 
people pleasing and that's something I identify with as something I also struggle with so <laughs> I'm encouraged to see you know that uh that even someone like Peter uh, an incredible uh spiritual leader can struggle in this way but also you know uh we are a new creation in Christ but there's still that sanctification process there's still work for God to do by his spirit in us to make us more like Christ and it's not an overnight everything is fixed so that's why it's an encouragement to me, you know, mm. that even even Peter, uh, who was face to face with Jesus, can still struggle with these things as he goes through his Christian walk, you know. So we mustn't become too discouraged ourselves when we find ourselves uh, tr tripping up and thinking, why have I tripped up over this again? Mm. Whereas the focus is, let's press on. Let's, as Paul, I think, wants us to do, focus on the truth and move forwards, which is an amazing thing. Yeah, definitely. You can be Peter struggling to please people. I'll be Paul struggling with my frustration and anger, and we can both <laughs> try to focus on uh, yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's about all we've got time for. It's been a jam-packed edition this week, but no bad thing, because it, uh, it was great fun. I had, a, I had a great time. Michael, thank you for your contribution. Thank you. I had a lot of fun too, my friends. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, folks, we'll be back again next week with the next book. Do you know what it is? Do you know what the next book of the Bible is, everybody? <laughs> Very exciting. Uh, if you don't know, well, you could look it up. Or you could wait till next week and you'll find out. It's Ephesians. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> So uh, we're fairly getting through these books of the Bible, Michael. We're nearly at the end. Incredible. Mm. If this is your yeah. first week, folks, uh, we, we've been doing a book of the Bible every week uh, since whenever we started this thing. And it's been amazing. <laughs> um, and I just can't believe that we're already about to start Ephesians. So um, do, do come and join us for that. And uh, we will see you then. Yeah, see you then. Goodbye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Michael and Kieran Michael and Kieran Michael and Kieran Michael and Kieran